Welcome to the Eerie First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. What does it take to have ridiculous faith? We're in a series examining the life of the prophet Elisha so that we can uncover the secret to living a life of incredible, even ridiculous faith. Last week, Pastor Nicole discussed how we can get a double portion or a double dose of the spirit of faith, obedience, and courage the way that Elisha did. Today, Pastor Nicole is talking about our anointing from God. The Holy Spirit is ready to fill us with his power, but we need to be ready and open to receive it. So let's continue our series. Here's Pastor Nicole. So we are in a series called Ridiculous Faith, and we are looking into the life of Elisha. And last week, we talked about his transition into leadership. If you missed it, uh, listen to it on the podcast this week. Uh, But today's snapshot into Elijah's life involves a desperate mom. So here's my question for you today. If you are a mother here today, uh, can you remember a time that you felt desperate? Can you remember a time that you felt desperate? Maybe I should word it this way. Can you remember a time you didn't feel desperate? (laughs) Uh, I've had many a day, uh, particularly when my kids were much younger, I have three daughters, when I was in Target and my cart was full of groceries I had just meticulously chose and they were all melting down. Anybody with me? And you're like, I don't even know how I'm going to get out of here. Like, I need all these groceries, but I am dragging them, you know, by their feet and their uh, whatever else I can do. Um, Now, moms are not the only people who get desperate. So if you're here today and you're like, I don't know what that seems like, um, dads can get in some pretty desperate situations too. No amens? Any amens from a dad out there? Okay. Um, So a few years ago, I just want to tell you a story about Joel. I got pre-approved. I went to Israel for 12 days, which was the longest I'd ever been away from my family. It was an incredible experience. I missed my family really deeply. Joel was a champ. He's a great dad. He took care of the girls while I was away. But one day I called home. And Cecily, who was nine at the time, so about five years ago, was talking to me on the phone. I said, what'd you do today? She said, well, we went to Dollar General. I said, oh, great. You know, what'd you you get? And she said, socks and underwear. And I said, oh, why did you do that? And she said, well, daddy doesn't really want to do laundry until you get home. So we just got more. (laughs) Desperate times. Desperate times. I do want to tell you he's not here today because he has about 300 college students in a retreat in central PA, you're kind of missing the college section, and he texted me this morning that nine students got baptized today. So can we thank God for that? So good. Okay, so let's look at the scripture today about a desperate mom. Maybe you're not a mom or a dad, but you know that feeling of desperation. And let's um, look at it through the life of Elisha in 2 Kings 4, 1 through 6. It says this. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband is dead and you know what that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. So this woman comes to Elisha, she was investing in these prophets and training and she says, look, my husband is dead and my sons are not safe. I don't know what to do. Some theologians actually believe that this is Obadiah's wife, uh, who was a a minor prophet in the scripture. We don't know for sure. And and the thing about the sons is um, debt slavery was common in this culture. So the woman owed a creditor, excuse me, and because she couldn't pay her debt, a lot of times they would come and say, okay, we'll take your sons. They will like work off the debt that you owe. And so she had lost her husband. She does not want to lose her sons too. 
And so verse two continues, Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And the woman said, your servant has nothing there at all except a small jar of olive oil. And I brought uh, what they would think a small jar would even represent. So something even just as little as this, a small jar of olive oil. Now, Elisha does something really interesting here, I think. When he gets to the woman, he doesn't say, okay, how can I help you? Let's get on our knees right now and pray in a pile of money. <laughs> or let's, uh, let's magically ask God to bring valuables to appear on the table. Or let's go and, and, and find someone who can give us a favor and then we'll pay off all your debt. This is what he says. Okay, what do you have? What do you have? And I love the woman's response. She's like, listen, I don't have very much. I don't have anything really that feels very valuable. All I have is this small jar of olive oil. This is all I have. And God is about to teach us something so important, I think, through this, through this moment between Elisha and this woman. This snapshot into Elisha's life is so important. And I believe that this concept, if we can catch it today, if we can really understand it, if we can put it into practice, that this could literally change the rest of our faith walk. Okay, so I want you to, to catch on to this. But this is what he's saying. When you need something, when you are up against a situation that you cannot do it yourself, you need something, God will often use what he has already given you. God will often use what he has already given you, what he has already put inside of you. Elijah says, what do you have in your house already? Because God will work with that. God can work with that. He can use your upbringing, your, your, your cultural context to speak into the life of someone else. He can use that, that degree that you feel like you haven't been using, that you went to school for, to have a clearer picture of what he's doing around you. He can use your love for creating things or your love for people. He can use your lame sense of humor <laughs> to bring joy to hurting people. Sometimes that's how I justify my jokes, you guys. I'm just like, I'm just going to say it because, God, you can use it. He can use that compassion that leaks out of you. You know that, that compassion that people say to you, like, you're too weak or you're too sensitive. That, he can use that to help you uh, hear and help a friend who no one understands. I wrote this down. The thing that makes you seem weird to other people is the same thing that makes you awesome to God. The thing that makes you seem weird to other people is the same thing that makes you awesome to God. So what do you have in your house? God can use that. God looks at your situation and your problem and where you see no way out, God says, all right, what are you willing to give me no matter how small, no matter how unvaluable you think it is, no matter how few gifts you feel like you have? What do you have? If you'll let me work with that, I can use it. It makes me think of another uh, biblical character in the Old Testament named David. And if you remember David, um, it will just run down his story for just a minute. In 1 Samuel 16, Samuel says, uh, I'm going to go find a new king. I'm going to empower and equip him for service. And he goes to Jesse's house, and Jesse presents seven of his sons to Samuel. And every one of them passes by, and Samuel says, nope, nope. 
nope, nope. And they all go by and they're all handsome and they're all strong and they're all have all these gifts. And Jesse's like, no, no. Or Samuel's like, no, this is not, uh, this is not who I want. None of these are the anointed one. And Samuel literally looks at Jesse and says, is there anyone else? Like, are these all the sons that you have? And Jesse says, well, there's one more. He's out tending sheep in the field. He's the youngest. He's the least likely. Uh, Actually, we thought for sure you wouldn't pick him, so we didn't even have him come in the house. And Samuel says, well, go get him. And so then in comes David, and he comes in not expecting anything, not seeking position or title. And Samuel says, yes, rise and anoint him. He is the one. And I love how we just watch that uh, our afterthought is God's plan A. The, 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 the afterthought, the thing we never thought would work was God's first plan. He was the one, bring that guy in the house because I know you never thought he could do it, but I am the God of the underdog. I'm the God that's gonna say, I'm gonna take everything that you thought you didn't have if you would just give it to me and I'll turn it into something amazing. And I love David. Oh, his heart is so great, right? He, he, he comes in, and, and can you imagine, like, he misses all the prior stuff, okay? He doesn't know what's happening. And Samuel's like, you're the anointed one. And he's probably like, what? <laughs> you know, like, I was just out, my sheep, they need me. And David says yes to the mission before he even knows what it is. David says yes to the mission with just what he has in his house. Samuel doesn't interview him and say, do you think you can lead people? Do you think you can do this? Do you think you can do that? He just anoints him as king, and David says, well, God, this is all I have, but it's all yours. I don't have a lot, but what I do have, I'll give to you. And and I love uh, just kind of going on with his story. What's interesting is some time passes and the scripture doesn't record it. But the next time we see David is in 1 Samuel 16, 19. I want to show it to you. It says, then Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son, David, who is with the sheep. Okay, where is he, church? With the sheep. Now, I got to say, that's not what I expected. I think that's kind of weird. Like David, he's not um, at king school (laughs) learning all the things he's going to have to learn. He's not getting fitted for his armor. He's not riding down streets waving to his subjects. You know, he's not paying for a political uh, campaign, right? He is with the sheep. God sends him right back to the sheep in the field. And, And the Lord showed me when I read this scripture that when we think about having a greater anointing, or last week we talked about a double portion. Some of you probably left here and you're like, all right, double portion. When we pray that God would douse us with his anointing, I think we think things like we're finally gonna get noticed by someone important. Or the finances are gonna come pouring in from some unknown source. Or or we're gonna feel different. We're gonna feel more influential. We're gonna feel more confident. Or we're gonna get a new promotion to a new job or whatever it is. But what God is communicating here, I think is something really different than what we often think. And I believe he's saying this. He wants to give David, he wants to give the Elisha's, uh, the widow and the story of Elisha, and he wants to give us a greater anointing for the work we are doing right now. 
Like he wants to give us a fresh anointing, a fresh dose of power for the life you are living right now. It's not about some other place or some other time or some other season. It's about what you have in your house right now. And by God sending David back out to the sheep, he's saying, listen, (laughs) you're a king now. Look around you. Nothing changed. You're still with the sheep. They're still stinky. (laughs) But you are a king right now because you have the anointing of a king. Nothing around you has to look different for you to have the anointing of the Holy Spirit on you. And so I want you to tend sheep like a king. I want you to tend sheep with a new anointing. And this is what God does. He anoints us. He gives us a double portion. And then he says, look, go back to where you were. (laughs) Go back to that place that you work where those people are difficult. Go back to your home where things are maybe tumultuous right now. And I want you to love those difficult people in your life like a king. Same people, same drama, fresh anointing. I want you to serve at your church. I want you to do the things no one wants to do. Vacuum the floor, change a baby's diaper. I want you to do it like a king. Same job, but fresh anointing. I want you to represent me to your city on that committee you joined like a king. I want you to be the parent of that toddler like a king. I want you to love and lead your family like a king. I want you to play on that rec softball team like a king. Listen, if the anointing of God is in you, it can take you to any place, any dirty place, any empty place, any dark place and make it anointed. It's in you. The ministry is in you. Nothing might be changing about your assignment in the next few months or few years. Some of you are like, that is not good news, Pastor. I don't know. But let me tell you this. A new anointing can change everything. A new anointing can change everything. And we need the power of God. We need more of the power of God for persistence in our current situation. Sometimes we say to the Lord, why aren't you moving? Why aren't you getting me out of this mess? Why aren't you changing my circumstances? And God is saying, because the plan is to give you more anointing for you to live in the circumstances. That's the plan. What if God wants you to do the same old stuff with a brand new passion? What if God wants you to do the same old stuff with a clearer sense of purpose and a greater sense of power? You don't need a new assignment to say yes to God. You don't need a new assignment for a greater anointing. You can put your yes on the table without even knowing what God is asking you to do. I love Philippians 1.6. It says this. Let's actually read it together. Ready? He is faithful to complete a good work in your life. That's what the scripture says. So be confident that the God that started that good work in your life, that same God who gave you your dream, who led you to this calling that you're living out, who rescued out of the hell you were destined for, who cleaned up the mess of your life, who transformed you and made you a new creation, that same God is gonna complete what he started in you. He has not forgotten. He has not stalled out. Things are not, uh, he, he, he is not uh, f- confused in the plan. If you feel like you're back in the field, after you were anointed, God is saying, listen, what's in your house? I'll use it. I'll use it if you'll let me. Okay, so that was a little detour into David. Let's get back to 2 Kings 4. So Elisha says, how can I help you? 
Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all except a small jar of olive oil. Now, I looked up that word jar, and it's the Hebrew root word for anointing. And what it means is she only had enough um, for one anointing of her body. So, so she says to Elisha, all I've got is an anointing of oil, just one anointing. And some think this is what she was saving for her burial anointing. So it, it was like her inheritance. It was her, it was her legacy. She said, this is all I want. Just when I die, I'm keeping this so that you can anoint me at my burial. And, and basically she's saying, this is all I have left in my life, but, but I'll give it to you if this will help me, if this will help my situation that I'm in. Now, don't forget, oil in the scripture is used to depict the Holy Spirit. And the widow was in a bind. So all she had was, was a little anointing oil. And, and I believe that what God is really communicating through the scripture is this. And he wants us to see that when you're in a situation where it feels like there's no way out, where you have no capital, you have no equity, you have no other source of provision, all you have is what you have been saving all your life for, for what you're going to use when you're dead. You have no escape. But if you have the Holy Spirit... Even what feels like a little bit of the Holy Spirit, that that is enough. That that is enough. And it will always be enough. And the Holy Spirit will empower you and equip you and enable you to function. And the Spirit will anoint you to complete your mission. Even if all you feel like is all I have is this little bit of something, God can use it. Let's read verse 3. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't just ask for a few. Then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons, pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him, shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. And when all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. And she went and told the man of God, and he said, go, sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. And so we see this miracle. There was just a little bit of oil left, but it just kept multiplying and multiplying and multiplying. And she filled every jar she had that was empty. And the oil was sufficient to fill every jar. Remember, the oil represents the Holy Spirit. So, so see it like this. The Holy Spirit is sufficient to fill every empty space to fill every jar, to fill every single need. The oil filled that jar until there was no jars left to be filled, till there was no needs left to be had. The Holy Spirit filled it. And did you notice, this is awesome, it's interesting, when there was no empty jar, it did come a time when she said, bring me another. You know, she, she was really filled with faith then. Go find more. I want to do this again. And, and the, the son said, there isn't any more. And, and, and what happened was the oil stopped. So if the oil is representation of the Holy Spirit, then what we see here is that there is oil. There is more of the Holy Spirit for every longing and empty heart. For every thirsty soul, for every hungry person for God, there will always be enough of the Holy Spirit to go around. As long as there are vessels to be filled, the oil will flow. 
You know, sometimes I think that the only thing that hinders us from seeing more of God's hand in our lives is simply because we don't make room for it. We just don't get empty before the Lord. Either we, we have a few maybe experiences with the Lord and we think, okay, that's about all there is. Or, or if I go any further, I might like experience something uncomfortable or something that I didn't know about when I was growing up. Or I might, I might feel uncomfortable about it. Or we say, you know, I'm going to fill up the rest of my life with all the things that, that I'm dealing with, the crisis I'm dealing with, the entertainment I'm consuming, the things that I'm doing. And there's just no more room inside of me. There's no more empty space for the Holy Spirit to occupy. And that's why I'm always talking to you about coming to church ready, coming to church with, with what God is asking you to, to speak and all the gifts God wants to release through you. Because if you show up not hungry or thirsty for Jesus, then the oil will stop flowing. It will. There'll be nothing I can do about it. But if we are constantly hungry, if we are constantly wanting more of God and more of the oil of anointing, if we are open and available for God to pour into us, the word of God says, then the Holy Spirit will never stop coming, will never stop flowing. Come Holy Spirit. As long as there are vessels to be filled, the Holy Spirit, the oil will flow. And so here's my question today. Are there vessels to be filled at Erie First Assembly this morning? Are there hungry hearts in this room who are ready for a move of God? Are there people who want to be used by God in this room and who would say, I don't have a lot. In fact, it feels like a little, but God, you can have everything I have. Would you just do something in me? Because if I don't get filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm sunk, like I'm done. There's no way I'm gonna be able to do another day, another hour, another week. We're gonna sing this new song again. It's called Make Room. And as you sang it a few moments ago, it's just a simple declaration of surrender saying, look, we're gonna make room for God to give us a fresh anointing. And if you're feeling empty this morning, I wanna encourage you, perfect. That, that's, that's exactly what this story is about. If you're feeling faithless or discouraged, I'm so glad you came to church today. Because that's what Elisha was talking about to that woman. And that woman said, this is all I have. And Elisha says, line up those jars because where there is empty, broken people, there is a powerful God who's ready to pour out his spirit and wants us to experience him. And so you are in the perfect place today if you're feeling like a little bit of a hot mess. <laughs> if you're feeling desperate for the Holy Spirit, desperate for a fresh touch from God. So here's what we're gonna do, would you stand? I asked uh, the prayer team to come and they are actually holding anointing oil just like this. Today, the, the scripture talked about anointing oil. And, and when you come up, they're just gonna put a little anointing oil on your head, just as a symbol of, of set apartness, of consecration to God. And by coming up here this morning and getting prayer, this is what you're declaring. You can have what I have in my house, God. It's all yours. Like I don't have a lot, but you can have it all and you can use it. And Lord, would you do something in my life? I'm empty, I'm desperate, I want you, I want more of you, use me in any way you choose. And by coming up this morning and getting prayer, you are literally um, doing what this song is saying, you are making room for God. You are making room. You're saying, God, I make room for you. Take the things out of me that don't need to be there and put in more of you. 
So let me pray over us and then would you come as we sing this song and I'll pray to close in just a moment. Holy Spirit, we come to you today. And God, you've never let us down. You've never failed us. You won't start today. And God, when we come empty to you, you fill us up. Your Holy Spirit flows. God, all you need is an available person. And so God, we come to you available. Forgive us for the ways we filled our lives up with things that aren't important, with thoughts of worry or, or thoughts of fear, Lord God. Forgive us for the way that, that we have misunderstood your, your calling on our life. We have misused our time. And in some ways, Lord, we have uh, had different, the wrong thinking about who you are and about who the church is. And God, we're sorry for that. And Lord, in that space that we make room as we, as we repent, in that space, God, would you fill it with your Holy Spirit? Lord, we make room for you today. We, we, we decide, God, that you are number one. We exalt you. We put you first place, high above second place, God. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that as we are empty vessels to you, that your spirit would flow this morning. Lord, we surrender to you. And it's in your strong name I pray. Amen. Would you come? Just get a little anointing oil. If you've never done it before, I just want to encourage you. Uh, it's not weird or scary. Nothing strange happens. They just pray for you. Just a step of faith saying, God, I make room for you. I make room for you.
Shake up the ground of all my tradition. Break down the walls of all my religion. Your way is better. Your way is better. Shake up the ground of all my tradition. Break down the walls of all my religion. Your way is better. Your way is better.
so God, it's with this posture, it's with this heart that we go from here today. The heart of making room for you, the heart of surrendering our plans and our thoughts and our agendas, Lord God, and making room for you. We trust you have a good and perfect plan for our lives and we count it a privilege to serve you every day. God, as long as we're hungry, your oil will flow. So God, would you keep us hungry? Would you keep us empty before you? Thirsty for your word and your goodness. It's in your strong name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Erie First Podcast. We'd love it if you would rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. You can follow Erie First on Facebook or Instagram or visit eriefirst.org for all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.